Hello, Ecomedia family. Vladimir Proknevsky here, and welcome to episode number 14 of the Ecomedia podcast, where I serve our Ecomedia family with weekly interviews from highly creative people. Today's guest is Jacob Cass. Jacob is the founder and creative director of Just Creative, as well as a prolific blogger and past TEDx speaker. Jacob's talent has brought him numerous international design awards, and his work has been published in books worldwide. He has worked with clients such as Disney, Powerade, Nintendo, Jerry Seinfeld, Red Bull, Nike, and Vitamin Water. Now, here's an interesting fact about Jacob. Jacob and his wife traveled to over 80 countries. That's right. That's pretty impressive. Jacob, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Quite an intro. Very nice. <laughs> well done. <laughs> well, Jacob, out of 80-something countries that you visited, man, which one's your favorite? It's a good question. I get that asked that a lot, actually. In South Africa, is right up there. It has all the... Has everything really? The scenery, the landscapes, the mm. animals, the wildlife, the soul of the people. It's just really cool place, and yeah, that's definitely our favorite. Now, how much of uh, of an impact traveling had on your design and just creati- creativity in general? Um, I've, I've always had travel in my blood growing up, and like I moved to like I grew up in Sydney, moved to New York when I was twenty one, I stayed there for five years, and we did travel around a little bit of that area, but. It's only in the past like three or so years where it's been extensive long-term uh, non-stop traveling. And that's when we did the majority of those countries. Um, so, yeah. Have you ever felt like, uh, this is just a personal question. I'm just curious. Since we're talking about traveling, uh, have you ever felt like your life was at risk in any of the countries that you went to? Never. Never? Wow. That's pretty impressive. Have you been no, to Ukraine yet? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> there's, there's certain places where you're a little more on edge, but end of the day it's more like petty theft and like right. like you can, you may get like mugged or something but like i don't i've never felt where i'm in danger gotcha now give me one traveling advice that you that i absolutely have to know well a lot of people ask like how do you travel for so long and work like it's the most common question and it is easier than you think and people have this grand idea like um, or this idea that is very expensive, like if you go to Europe, yes, it's true, or Australia or something like that. But if you start in affordable countries such as like Southeast Asia, it's much more doable. And you can start small. You can just start in one country, use that as your base and start traveling from there. Um, yeah, and that's how you get started. So yeah, I'm trying to start small here within the United States. I guess I'm niching down to just the United States. So I've tried to try to hit as many states as possible right now. Because man, if you just travel across the United States, you can get to the desert, you can go to the ocean. I mean, you kind of get to see a little bit of everything, really. So there's so yeah, much absolutely. to see. Yeah, like, There's like many countries in one big country. And yeah, yeah. yeah, all the states offer something different. And yeah, that's, it's cool. If, if You don't have to travel internationally. You can do it uh, locally if you're at US side. And then as your budget allows, I guess you can then expand to other countries. Yeah, exactly. And that's the, that's the thing. That's a big clincher because traveling on the road, especially in the States or Australia, is really expensive. Like you, you're getting like dodgy motels for 90 bucks a night whereas if you're in southeast asia and you're paying 90 bucks you're like a penthouse overlooking the ocean it's like it's that balance you know and it depends what what you value personally we don't value accommodation that much and we're always about the experiences and that's where we splurge um occasionally we'll have like a nice hotel but generally it's really budget and we don't value our experience there because we're never inside the hotel room we're out enjoying the scenery of the landscapes and the beaches and all of that that's interesting that you mentioned experience. I've heard, I think it was Casey Neistat that said that he spoils these kids with experience instead of toys. So that's kind of cool. I guess experience is, is priceless. Toys, you know, they perish to go away, but experience you can't Absolutely. take away. Yeah, the memories of experiences. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of experience, now I was scrolling through your blog and dude, I saw this picture and it was you going head to head with a, a lead jumper, but apparently it was a competition and you won. And, and uh, I think you said something, you uh-huh. won a new wife. Now explain that. What was that all about? <laughs> 
Uh, that's funny, yeah. Um, so I can't remember what country that was. It was somewhere in South Africa, not South Africa, but the southern parts of Africa. And yeah, they had this ritual where they see who can jump the highest and the winner of that competition gets like a wife. And I went head to head with this, the leader of the camp who was like one of the best jumpers and somehow I was like level to level and he ended up giving in right at the end, well, probably on purpose. <laughs> um, but yeah, he ended up saying that I got, a, got to choose a wife from the village. He so. was not being serious, right? <laughs> it was, let me, I, my heart was beating for like two minutes after that. I've never like, oh, it was, it was like unbearable. It was so, such a cardio uh, boost that I wasn't ready for. Now, speaking of cardio boost, you're clearly in great shape. I'm curious to find out what's your morning routine. Do you uh, work out, run? What do you do? Yeah, so traveling. It's the past five months I've been at home in Australia, and I've had a bit more, bit more of a routine. When I was traveling, it was a little bit more difficult. Down here, my mate has a gym. It's, it's not a CrossFit, but it's kind of that that style. And our routine is: uh, we wake up about five thirty, get to the gym class at six. It's an hour gym class, only about a fifteen minute ex- uh, workout. The rest is stretching and form things like that, and then. I come home after the gym and I get into like breakfast and shower and all that and then start work. And I, I find waking up in the morning, I'm much more productive and throughout the day and then I can relax at night. So, which is completely opposite to what it was when I was in New York. Um, when I was in New York, I was working for an agency and freelance at the same time. So I was, I was very overworked there, but my routine there was like go to work at nine 30 and then work till like 1am. So it was like, Wow. It's different. It just depends. You adapt to your surroundings and even routines when we're traveling is much more different. Like I'd be working on buses, I'd be working on trains and then doing the experiences during the day and working at night. So it was less of a routine per se. Now, do you have to have like this perfect atmosphere where you are like in the zone being creative or are you pretty flexible where you work? Extremely flexible. And you have, you have to be when you're traveling because yeah, I, I personally find working in hotel rooms or your room, wherever you are, more, for me, uh, able to focus a little bit more because there's no, nothing around you and put your music on, you just get in your zone. Generally, it's faster Wi-Fi at your hotel than a cafe. So that's just what I found. Now, I'm curious to hear about your uh, process. Like when you design, let's say, logos and stuff, do you still go with the traditional, you draw things out first and you brainstorm on paper, then you take it digital? Yes and no. Sometimes I... I a lot of my work with logos, I work on type first and just to get a feel for things and then see what's working with that brand. And then I can go into the concepts. Sometimes it's paper, sometimes it's digital. But yeah, I've never had the same process for every client. And I don't know if that's the same for everyone. But yeah, I go back and forth. Sometimes it's phone calls, sometimes it's emails. Sometimes I send them sketches. Sometimes I just send them like an, an idea that I think nailed it. And it's never like one fits all approach. Gotcha. Now, speaking of clients, I, I got to ask this one because I'm a huge fan of Jerry Seinfeld and the, the comedians in cars getting coffee. Now, what was your part in that? Yeah, that, that was a cool project. So, um, like I said earlier, I was working at an agency in New York. So, for the five years there, I had access to big name clients. And those clients you rolled off at the start of the project, like these are through that agency. It's not through me personally, through my business, Just Creative. I work with small, mid-sized businesses for that. So just want to be clear and upfront about that because people get this idea of like, oh, how does he get access to all these people? Gotcha. Um, which is not the fact. So in, t- in relation to Jerry, he was a client of Amorati where I used to work and he came into the office needing um, a new website and branding for his show, Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee. And 
my part of the role working with the team at Amirati was building the, the logo, the branding, the, some of the ads, some of the, the typeface actually, and there's creative direction from the creative director at the time at the studio as well. Now, I'm curious to find out, what's Jerry like to work with? There was one session where we worked with Jerry uh, in studio. So I had my graphics tablet and there was all the media people in the room and then like a big presentation board with the projection of the screen. And he was like standing right behind me while I'm like working on the computer, like moving stuff around. And that was a really cool interactive session. He's a funny guy, obviously, but he's also very serious and business focused when he's in that like arena. And yeah, it's it's good to see that side as well. But even in the show, you can see who Jerry really is. That really is who he is. He's just a down to a funny guy. I'm curious because, you know, you've been in the industry for such a long time. Share one painful experience as an artist that you had during your career. Ah, painful. That's, <laughs> um, Putting you on the spot here. The, big, the biggest, like when I, when I moved to New York, I, I worked for a company for about six months and then they decided they didn't need me anymore. So that was, a, that was painful. Not just for that reason, but because of the immigration reasons in the States. And you get pretty much two weeks to leave the country if you don't have a job. So I, I ended up finding a job after those two weeks and they filled out their paperwork incorrectly. So even though I did find a job, the paperwork was wrong, so I had to leave the country. I ended up going back to Australia, seeing some immigration lawyers and ended up finding this visa that I qualified for just because I'd graduated university within a year and you somehow classified for this one visa to the States, um, a J-1 visa. And I went back on that visa, went back for a year and worked between four different companies just to see what I liked and ended up selling on Emirati where I worked for five years. So that's a brief story. Wow. And so what did you learn from this experience? That if you really set your mind to something and you want to go back or not go back, but you really want to live there or do what you want, then you have to work for it. And like I had a lot on the table. We had actually just signed a lease we, <laughs> literally like a week before that. And we, we had a lot on the table that we would lose if we didn't get it. So invested a lot of money into the lawyers and trying to get back there. And it, it worked out after some perseverance and ended up talking about this experience in that TEDx video that you talked about. Um, and just say, teaching people how social media and branding and having a foundation of your own can really help you um, overcome these obstacles. See, I discovered you in, I think it was like 2009, I started following you. I even, like I was going through my hard drive, I was copying some of your logos because that was like my first introduction to design and I really <laughs> got inspired by it. And I remember you were reaching out to your audience uh, asking for help or some. Uh, it was like yeah. during that time you were trying to find a job or something like that. Uh, yeah. I remember that. And then after that, I, uh, you know, I got married and just kind of... Dropped off <laughs> and stopped following you, but uh, you were probably like one of the first ones to started uh, publishing, being so transparent with your work. Now, what led you to, to do that? So I actually started blogging when I was at university and I was still learning. Well, I'm always learning design, but I was learning design and I just wanted to document my process and learning studies. And when I was just doing that as a, a hobby, really, and then it opened up this whole world of blogging and I learned how you could... I guess, build a brand through blogging and actually make some money from it and use it as a foundation. And I kind of invested time into learning about blogging. Totally different world back then. Now it's like so much noise, but it's, yeah, it, it was, that's how I got into it really. Now you have a huge following on Twitter and Facebook and in like your blogs, but I I'm, could be wrong, but I don't see, did you never really transition in YouTube? Is there a reason for that? 
Uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't got into video, and I, even for that travels, I haven't got into video. Like my time is very, it's spread thin across our travels and blogging, and I attempted to do it, and I I'm not. Um, I'd probably say I'm a little camera shy. Like I love the camera, but I don't like videos. And I don't know why I just haven't got into it. I know I should, but it's uh, something I need to overcome. So now that you've, you mentioned it, like <laughs> maybe after our travels, I'll get into it more, but I don't have the time to invest into it just yet. How do you stay current with uh, design work? Do you follow other designers as well? I don't follow designers like a religion. I, I'm more of a, like a sporadic, like inspiration guy. So for a particular project, I look up inspiration on that like like color or that theme or industry or whatever i don't i don't follow designers per se because they're they're pumping up like good work is everywhere and it's it's unbelievable it's really cool to see the internet pumping out all of that and i I like to get a versatile range of inspiration that makes sense for someone starting out right now let's say i'm graduating from either high school or college what advice would you give to that person the person that wants to get into design into design. So the port, I think everything comes down to your portfolio because that's what, it's not about your education if you're self-taught or at a university or college or anything. It's the portfolio. And end of the day, that's how people are going to judge you. And it's true. And people with experience, they can judge very easily. Within like 10 seconds, they're going to they know what type of work you do. And it's very easy to see. So focus on what you want to achieve in, in your career. You may not know straight away, but your portfolio should be reflective of what you want to do. So if you love logos and branding, show more of that work. If you love illustrating, then obviously you're going to have more pieces focused on that. So focus on your portfolio, cut out the crap, focus on just your best projects and show them off. What are your thoughts on higher education, on college? So I'm curious to find out, like especially in this day and age where you can take Linda courses or, I don't know, through YouTube and stuff, how necessary is it still today? I wouldn't say it's necessary. I, I love the lifestyle of university and what came with that lifestyle. And those years are some of the best years of your life. Where I studied was in Newcastle in Australia. And it was like a beachy lifestyle with partying and education as well. So in terms of the career, it's like you could do it either way. But I, I love the lifestyle of that university era. And I don't regret doing that. But now that there's so much information available online and there's so many good courses online with experts teaching them, I think that's a good way to go now. But yeah, it depends on what you're after. I know that at my university, like things like web design was, were, were being taught by people that would just tell you to go online and learn a tutorial because they didn't know the skills. It was so new. And yeah, the, it was just, it, even today, I think you need to learn from a lot of people because they're experts. Um, there's so many different coding languages and types of design. So you can learn specifically what you want to learn. Now, when you hire people, do you look at schools where, where they went to school or do you, are you willing to overlook that if the portfolio is very impressive? I personally don't hire anyone, but if I was, I would be looking at the portfolio first. Yeah. That sounds good. Now, what are you not good at? Like, I look at you, you look like you're well-rounded. I just want people to know that like Jacob Cass is just as human as everybody else. I'm curious to find out well, what that would be. <laughs> yeah, good question. Uh, drawing. So I cannot draw. Um, wow, I'm, I'm surprised. Well, not well anyway. Yeah, so I can come up with ideas and then translate them on a computer, but uh, my drawing skills, like illustrating, uh, it's just it's really bad. So I hire people for that particular reason if I, if the project calls for it. But yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be doing that myself. That's interesting. You say that our past guest, Den Beltran, he's also a very uh, talented designer. 
and he told me that the same thing that he's not good at drawing. And so that's interesting. It's something that I considered as a must for designer, but you're clearly, you clearly have it figured out. But so that's encouraging to hear that. Look, just because you're not amazing at drawing doesn't mean that you can't be a great designer, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so much of design comes down to this, well, all the design principles, obviously, and, and typography is a huge part. And I think some designers overlook the importance of typography and that is a big form of visual communication. So that that's when I was at university, typography really opened my eyes to visual communication and what is possible. And that was probably my favorite class at university as well. Well, and it clearly shows because I remember when I was following you, like that's the first thing that got my attention because your logos were very simple, but the, the way you, you design things, it's, it's it's so simple, but it's so beautiful at the same time. And I just remember thinking, man, this is this guy has typography figured out big time for sure. You know, to this day, I, I still sometimes go to your website just look at them because they're so simple. Anymore, people try to like make logos so complex, but yours were always so simple and so effective. Now, what's what's your trick to that? <laughs> a trick, yeah. Everyone's gonna have a different style, and I, I love focusing on simple, clever ideas and. The trick is to to really simplify and see what you can cut out. Like the age-old saying of keep it simple, stupid is, is so true in logo design. And I, th- I think it's, it's cutting out whatever you can to get it to its truest form. Now, when it comes down to dealing with clients and pricing your work, that's something like we get emails all the time like, oh, I'm so frustrated. I don't know how to price my work. It's just I give up. I actually just got one this morning. And someone said that they, they give up. I'm curious what would your answer be? How Do you have a strategy, a system that you follow when it comes to pricing your work? Because especially with working with clients, it, it's hard to convince them that a logo is worth more than you know a certain price. Most people are like, logo, this shouldn't be that expensive. It's so easy to do, right? Now, what's your? how do you do it? Yeah, so yeah, pricing is a big subject, and I have a, a number of different ways that I do it. I do it on a project basis. I never do it hourly, except for one client that I've had for many years, and we work on an hourly basis. So um, you have to be flexible with your ways of working. In terms of let's say logo and branding projects, because that's what I do most, I have like a bed-in system on my website. I have a questionnaire. I have like a budget down uh, drop down, and it just has like let's say to use some numbers like a thousand, two thousand to 5,000, 5,000 to 10,000. Let's just set those three. And if someone clicks 1,000, less than 1,000, I have like a, I don't, I don't work with anyone less than 1,000 just for my projects because I'm in the fortunate position to have a lot of inquiries and I want to work less and charge more. So that's where I'm at right now personally. So if they click this drop down of say uh, less than 1,000, they're going to get a little message saying design some of the commodity. This is my minimum amount of work in just to ensure that my work is of the highest quality. So that's one vetting system. And these budget ranges that I have on there are just a guide. I always talk to them first um, or soon after the questionnaire or if we've talked beforehand just to get a feel of what they're after. Sometimes they're just after a logo. Sometimes they need stationery or maybe the whole package of everything, including the website. So I really listen to their needs and put together a proposal based on those needs. And I found that the revisions, um, I, I did put a cap on them, but I've never really gone over or charged people more for going over. So I think people want a solution. They don't want to be lost in the details. And I charge for that solution and the idea, not just a piece of design. So that's where I, what I focus on. Jacob, do you have a course or something that, I don't know, like a course that people can take with your techniques? 
I don't. Um, so like, like you mentioned before about the videos and people have been asking me about courses and I really have had it on my mind as well as writing a book. But the past few years I've been focused on travel and really seeing the world. But yes, soon we'll be settling down in Australia for a little bit, maybe starting a family and whatnot. So I may have some more time or maybe less time, depending <laughs> on which way you look at it. But yeah, it'll be a little bit more grounded so I could focus on things like that. But right now it's focused on blogging and the travel. Sounds good. Now share one online resource for our audience. Uh, I use this uh, Chrome extension called Panda as well at, to use to browse the web. It's like an aggregator of different feeds and news, design news. So you can have Behance, Dribble, design and news all in one tab on your browser so you don't have to go everywhere on the web um, that's really cool uh, another one is uh, buffer is another cool extension which is for sharing social media so like I, I have a lot of like everyone i have a lot of social media accounts and buffer is a cool tool to to share on all those platforms in one go and like there's a huge save time saver so they're my top two how do you stay unplugged from internet? Because I'm sure you get hundreds of emails every every single day. How do you do? You have a, a system for that? Like, is there is there a, a certain thing you do that totally unplugs you from the world and you just feel like you're not bothered? Uh, my wife would want that. <laughs> <laughs> Mine too. Yeah. Uh, no, I do not. I'm plugged in every second of the day, pretty much. So I'm not ever disconnected unless I'm on a boat without reception or I'm in somewhere that doesn't have Wi-Fi. And it's a blessing and a curse. No, that's true. And you kind of have to because you work with a lot of clients and you travel so much. So I totally understand your concern for that. Now, I forgot to ask you, I'm curious, what is your most proudest project that you worked on to date? My personal business, I'm proud of like what I've achieved because that's been the foundation of everything. Like that's how I get my clients and how I can travel and everything. So I really built that from the ground up and that allows me to do everything. And that's the foundation. But in terms of like a cool project, working with Jerry was really cool because it was streamed everywhere. Like the, my work was seen at the Super Bowl halftime. It's on Netflix. It's on TV. I got to work with a celebrity. So that was a cool project. And yeah, that was that's probably the highlight. Now, what are you most excited about today? Well, this weekend we're leaving to go traveling for Europe for three months. So that's the next nice. thing on the, the table. So summer over there, it's just getting really cold here in Australia now. Well, really cold. It's not really cold, but um, <laughs> we're, we're leaving the winter behind and going to the, the European summer, which will be nice. All right. Well, hey, Jacob, thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, lad. All right, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jacob Cass. You can find more information about Jacob on his website at justcreative.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoy what I've been doing. I don't ask for a lot, but please take a moment to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you get your podcast. It will only take you a second, but it will help other people discover the podcast. And my goal is to share this great content with as many people as possible. All the links and resources mentioned in this episode are available on our website at ukramedia.com slash 14. Stay tuned for our expression course. We're almost done. It's just around the corner. Don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook. Simply go to ukramedia.com slash community. We have almost 2,000 people in our group. It's a great resource for those of you who are trying to grow. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you, and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Ukramedia Podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs>